The need for mental health services for children has continued to accelerate. Demand already high before the pandemic has increased greatly because of COVID-19. But there are challenges in delivering the much needed care. Today, we speak with Dr. Vera Foyer, AVP for School Mental Health, about those challenges and about how Northwell has partnered with school districts to help with mental health access. This is 20 Minute Health Talk. I'm David Reich Hale. Dr. Foyer, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me today. Over the last two years, we've seen major impacts with children when it comes to the pandemic. Where are we today? What is what is the situation for kids right now? So the pandemic certainly has impacted on youth mental health in various ways. And that has started in the very beginning of the pandemic, like you mentioned. And so we are seeing that far-reaching impact uh, of the pandemic as we navigate the ongoing turns, uh, uh, including the current surge, uh, which we are once again seeing that with schools being impacted, families being impacted by illness, by closures, by rearranging lives once again, certainly all of that does trickle down to the kids and their mental health. Is there, what can medical professionals do about it, right? Because part of it is probably at home, right? Part of it is when it's just a complete disconnect of of any kind of routine for kids because some of them are going to school, then they're not going to school. There's so much confusion around all of it. What do you tell kids and how do you treat them in a situation like this? Right, so all of those ongoing stressors and changes and the need for all of us to stay resilient and help our kids stay resilient in the face of these many, many changes and this ongoing stress circumstance, does require us to support families and kids in a way uh, that is maybe different from before, because we really, in addition to providing them with the medical care that they receive from us and providing them with that support, we also really need to provide parents with more support and education about what they can do. Because like you mentioned, many of these things do get uh, addressed at home and in the households. And when adults are stressed, and we know that we are and they are, uh, and parents are stressed, that all does trickle down to the kids. So the approach has to be, if you will, a little bit more holistic. And we have to address parents, education, school, school staff, uh, really reaching families and kids wherever they are, uh, which is schools, primary care, uh, pediatric offices, and our hospitals and help equip them with tools to continue to manage this ongoing stress and get access to the care that they require, which is a challenge. So what is Northwell doing about it? Because I know there's there's a couple of programs, right? Yeah, definitely. So even before the pandemic and then definitely through the pandemic, we've been uh, trying to tackle this access issue that is that families have difficulty accessing community providers for mental health. It's very hard to find uh, a therapist, a child psychiatrist uh, in the community. And so in an effort to address that, Northwell has several initiatives 
Uh, one of them is initiatives partnering with schools. And the reason why this is so important, because again, schools is where the kids are, that's where they live, that's where families evolve. So we have been working with schools to help support them uh, in their own environments within the school buildings, as well as developing specific clinical services that are accessible for these school communities so that they don't have to send students as they identify a crisis to the emergency department, to the hospital. And so at this point, we have school partnerships in 30 districts in Nassau County with school districts working closely together, providing access to child and adolescent psychiatry, access to linking into care and to the services uh, within the community. And those partnerships have really been hugely successful and able to achieve both training school staff, supporting school staff, and then doing the same for families and the students in order to best support the continuum of mental health needs of each community. How does a school connect with Northwell then? Depending on the needs of a student, there's, there's probably different avenues you can go down. Correct. So partnerships, uh, we started this uh, program very organically, actually, and it was very grassroots. We had an existing program at the Children's Hospital that offers ambulatory crisis services called the Behavioral Health Urgent Care. And schools reached out to us uh, to talk about, well, we have so much need and we really need something in our community. What can we do together? And that's where the partnership started with five piloting districts in the South Shore of Long Island. And then those partnerships uh, through the pandemic had grown and the need uh, for what the schools need help with has also grown. And these partnerships have developed into true collaborations where we're able to meet the needs of the districts and through them, the community. And that is uh, how we started. And the reputation, I have to tell you, that the need out there is great. And we get emails from new school districts every single day, uh, you know, wanting to partner. So what are you seeing? What are, what are the biggest needs that, that children have? So the biggest needs that we're seeing, we're definitely seeing an increase in depression and anxiety. We are seeing an increase in kids presenting with suicidal ideation and self-injury. So why, why do you think you're seeing this? I think really anxiety and stress has impacted youth in a way that is yielding some of these conditions. Again, their entire world, their system, their structure has been shaken, uh, being isolated, having uh, uh, that social isolation, the education loss, um, managing the impact on their families, the financial impact on families, all of that trickles down to kids and is yielding these problems. And again, this is at the same time coupled with the fact that resources are strapped in the community and its care is therefore getting delayed. So care, when people do come to care, they're already sicker because it has been difficult to access the care in the community. And mental health access was an issue well before COVID too. Well, before COVID, we've had a workforce shortage, you know, certainly in child and adolescent psychiatry. It's estimated that we have about 10th of the child psychiatrists that we need for the country. Uh, and that is true for other mental health professionals as well. And with this rising need and the decrease uh, in, in work 
force on an already existing crisis is yielding this circumstance where we're really scrambling and struggling. And these partnerships that we've been able to develop have been so important to be able to bridge those gaps uh, in the care continuum. Right. And, and depending on the age of the student, there's probably different needs, right? So maybe you can walk us through a little bit of what you're seeing and how you're supporting elementary or middle school students compared to high school students. Right, absolutely. So the needs are different for the kids, although there are similarities. Uh, we are uh, hearing from uh, schools and seeing on our services, younger kids are presenting now with a lot more behavioral problems. Uh, there's definitely significant social skills deficits that we're seeing in particular with the younger kids. There are some of these kids who haven't really stepped into an actual classroom uh, until first grade and they missed two years of in-person instruction and the peer relationship building and social skill building that comes along with that. So we are seeing with younger kids more behavioral issues, more problems, and then sorting through whether those issues signify an existing pathology like ADHD or some sort of behavioral diagnosis, or they're purely a result of these uh, developmental deficits that kids accrued in the last two years is the task that we have to figure that out, to figure out what kind of treatment they need, because the approach and the treatment is quite different for each. And then with the older kids, we are seeing what I described earlier, more of the significant anxiety, depression, uh, really uh, uh, issues around technology use, social media use, and how much that takes over their life and how to navigate all of that. Uh, and then an additional problem that we're seeing again more in the high school age kids is a significant increase in kids presenting with eating disorders, which is another unique subpopulation that had presented through the pandemic. And the reason why we think that is, is because kids with eating disorders tend to have issues around uh, control. Uh, and during the pandemic, we all lost all control over our lives. So we do think that that is what's yielding some of the kids trying to gain back control in their life by controlling their eating and food intake. And we are seeing uh, significant increases in that. How critical is, is timely access to care? And how do we deliver timely access to care? Yeah, absolutely. So it has been impacted, again, because of the things that we described earlier. And one silver lining, however, from the pandemic that applies to mental health and psychiatry is the ability uh, to provide care uh, via telemedicine. And that has really tremendously helped us through the pandemic. Prior to the pandemic, the regulations and rules around providing care uh, virtually uh, to our patients has been very limited. And with the public health emergency and the waivers and now the resulting changes in legislation that's being formed in terms of being able to provide that care, that has helped. Uh, that has helped us being able to provide care uh, in a better way, in different way, helped us expand uh, access to a certain extent. 
but it continues to be difficult because even with that, it is not the solution for everybody. It's helpful for some, not for everyone. And then also recruitment and workforce shortages are still an issue, even when you're providing care virtually. Uh, it is crucial to provide timely care. We know that delaying care results in you know, worsening symptoms and higher levels of care needing later and then long reaching impact into adulthood when we don't treat these childhood mental health issues. And so it's hugely important, which is why we're focusing so much on creating these bridging programs. In addition to the school partnerships, our other big focus has been on collaborating with pediatricians and trying to provide uh, care in pediatric offices uh, by embedding mental health providers into our pediatric practices at Northwell and being able to also tackle that access challenge through that avenue. There are also statistics that show that the number of mental health visits to emergency rooms go down quite a bit when you're working with the students in a certain school district, right? So if you're working- Correct in school district X, and then in that, that area, you see far fewer people ending up in the ED. Absolutely, we see the model working. We specifically in our districts, we pulled the data for our initial year, we've seen about a 60% decrease on average from schools referring to the emergency department uh, since we have the behavioral health center available to them. And we're also seeing very promising results in terms of the behavioral health center being able to get kids into care and engage families into the need for care and the need for follow-up in a lot more meaningful way than an emergency service can. Now, I sort of go back 20, 25 years ago, I remember writing and reading about how there's this sort of strange stigma around mental health, right? And it feels like that's dissipated a little bit, right? But it's it's still there, uh, perhaps not as bad as it was. What are you seeing when it comes to that? Are parents more open to, to helping their children access care? Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a great point and another silver lining in the pandemic. And I think that stigma still exists and we work hard to uh, erase it and we work hard by integrating these services and providing them in environments that is more acceptable and engaging and patient-centric, family-centric. But we do see a shift. I do think that the pandemic has resulted in people recognizing the impact of stress and the need for mental health support for adults and kids and uh, destigmatizing, reaching out for help. And certainly the hope is with the next generation because we have 100% see a shift in how young people approach their own mental health care and seeking help and support, verbalizing, talking about it, seeking out for help. And I do think that's not only a result of the pandemic, but also a result of in New York State, we do have structured mental health curriculum mandated in the starting from an elementary age and schools are doing a tremendous job of educating kids from a very young age and teaching them how to label emotions, how to manage them, how to stay resilient and how to identify and uh, when you need to reach out for help and what the resources are. Now, this pandemic is obviously a great challenge to parents as well. And 
how would you recommend they balance their kids' ability to go out and socialize and, and live a relatively normal life in the middle of all this? Right. Uh, such a, a daily question for me as a parent, uh, you know, and I think for all of us, I do think that my advice is, is that parents need to be flexible and adaptable in reassessing the risk daily because science is evolving in front of our eyes. What we know today is hopefully more than what we knew yesterday, and that's going to be continue to be the case. So we really do have to balance risk and benefit and reanalyze it day by day and figure out for our personal circumstance, what is the best decision for our children. It is really important to recognize how important connections and experiences, school and in-person uh, um, socialization is. Uh, for kids. And first and foremost, before all of that, the other uh, focus for parents really should be on modeling for their kids on how they manage. Because how as adults, we manage our own stress and how we make risk decisions for ourselves and our families is really going to be the blueprint for our kids on how they behave and manage this pandemic. So I think, you know, your own uh, mask on first on the airplane, right, for air, same as a parent, you got to manage your own stress and anxiety first and model its management to your kids. And I have two kids and they're very different, which is probably a very common occurrence, right? And so I'm guessing that every parent has to look at their kids and sort of see how are they reacting? How are they behaving through this? And then you have to react a little bit to the way they're either accepting or not accepting what's happening around them, right? Absolutely. And that is responsive parenting and is very, very important to be a good match because kids are different. What provokes anxiety in one child might bring comfort to another. Uh, so really knowing your kids, responding to their needs, adjusting your approach, certainly very important. And really creating a space in your home where kids feel that they can bring their concerns to you, that they can openly discuss and talk about what is bothering them or what is upsetting to them so that you can then respond to their needs. Will this generation have what could be sort of decades of issues tied to what they've experienced here? I think they can, unless we mitigate, unless we do things together as a society. And there's so much advocacy going on. And the United States Surgeon General actually issued an advisory on youth mental health and really highlighting that this needs to be a focus uh, for everybody if we want to mitigate the impact on this generation. Because I do think without that, the impact could be far reaching. But I think the good news is that we know a lot. We have a lot of efforts uh, in addressing it. And so hopefully we'll be successful in minimizing and mitigating for the impact. Get more expert insight from some of the leading voices in healthcare today. Subscribe to 20 Minute Health Talk on Podbean, Pandora, Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts.